Welcome y'all to the Black Hoof Saloon, a Wild West Exodus podcast. Mosey on up to the bar and get yourself a bottle of fire water or a glass of sarsaparilla and listen to some good old yarns about adventures of law dogs, outlaws, and weird creatures. So set a spell, water your ride, or your rider, and get ready to tune up your posses. This is the Black Hoof Saloon. Howdy, howdy, all you huckleberries, and welcome back into the Black Hoof Saloon, a WWX Wild West Exodus podcast. This is Eric here again, and I am joined by my good buddy down in Texas, Brian. Say hello, Brian. Howdy, everybody. Well, we are back, back to the regular episode after we had a guest on. So, Brian, what have we been up to? You want to recap a little bit of what we've been working on lately? Um, sure. Um, I, I quickly received a copy of the divine intervention posse set, uh, featuring the new Cole Corley with the, the faction called the order. And, um, I've been feverishly trying to get these done before the, the next purchase that I'll be making. <laughs> your, in new, your, new pro- your new project. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I gotta get them done before, because <laughs> otherwise they'll get put put to the side. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I actually lately got to run uh, our previous episode. We had a posse building uh, homework, and I actually got my list to the table twice now. And it's the all boss list that I came up with. And the first game did pretty good. I had the if everybody remembers, I had the three mounted mounted boss on there. I see. Let me see. Who did I have? I had mounted Jesse James. I had William Quantrell and uh, Marcus Wayward on um, bikes. And the three of them combined with the Rebel Yell, so I could kind of chain effect it and give them extra, uh, you know, I could up their limit. And... They were pretty deadly together, as long as they had enough space to zoom around, which I was doing like little S's around terrain and fences and buildings and just, you know, one would start the chain and just start tearing into like, I think it was a unit of hands. And then I had Quantrell come up and use his gun and, you know, he'd tear through some more of them and then like, you know put some tokens on them so they couldn't do as much. And yeah, the three of them worked very, very well together. And I actually had Cam who flew to the middle of the board. And I was like, oh crap, what did I just do? And Kodiak comes running up to him to hit him. And Cam's dice were ridiculous. I survived and ended up managing to kill Kodiak with Cam. So that was the one game. Yeah, it was pretty... I surprised the heck out of me. Uh, and then the second game, we we talked about one of the problems with the list could be that I just could get tied down by the numbers game. So I faced a union uh, posse, which included both legendary Tesla and their big old nasty tank. So he, the player basically did like a sandwich effect on me so he started 
you know, those two big beasties at the corners and just worked his way forward towards the middle. And uh, Tesla's Tesla's no joke. Uh, he took out, let's see, one, two, three, four. He took out four of my bosses by himself. He's pretty rough. So that did not go well. And then, yeah, the rest of the uh, Dr. C... I actually switched it up and took out Annabelle and put in, we talked about putting in the, the Countess in there so she could right. give people tough and stuff like that. And she did pretty good. She was the last person standing. But yeah, he ended up getting some of his troops and buildings. And uh, we, you know, we'll, we will talk about the benefits of being in the building, but they got dug in that building and just one person just really couldn't do much about that. So it, it kind of just, it was a shooting gallery. So yeah, it did not fare well, but anyway, so that, that, that was my experience with the boss list. It went one and one, one game, it went great. The other game, not so great, but it was a fun list still. Um, so let's see, what else did we want to mention for our intro? Uh, it's been a little bit of time for us to get back on the show. Our last episode, we had uh, special guest Stuart. We wanted to thank Stuart for being on the show. We also wanted to give a little shout out to somebody. Do you want to give him a shout out uh, there, Brian? Because we miss him. Oh, right. So, yeah, one of the things that was delaying our podcast was our our third host, uh, Tom, he, he he was a little under the weather during this this break, and um, he he basically told us, "Hey, don't don't keep waiting for me. Go ahead and knock something out." So um, we did, and that gave us an opportunity to invite a special guest with us to, uh, that we'll intro in a few moments. Yeah, a little bit and, later. Right, and uh, the reason he was chosen was the the theme for this episode, which will be terrain. So we're gonna. You know, go over the rules of terrain that are in the the rule book, and then we're also actually then going to move on to actually building terrain and those type of things. So, got a good episode coming. Yep, yep. Shout out to Tom. Get better. Stay away from drinking that creek water. And another real quick shout out to a good buddy of mine, JP, that helped us get the podcast started a lot. He put up with me answering a lot of questions, and he just moved out of the area out to Colorado. So. I just wanted to tell him good luck and thank you for all the advice and help that he gave us. So, yeah, why don't we get into our topic of terrain and we'll go into our other segment that's going to be actually building your own terrain. So stay tuned, guys. All right, cowpokes here. Today we're going to be talking about terrain and the play area so previous episodes we've talked about you know building posses um you know what you need to get started and one of the things we haven't talked about really is is the play area so that's what we're going to go over today so me and eric are here we're going to talk about the play area and a little bit later in the episode we're going to have a special guest on and we're going to talk about terrain even more that is basically going to be a hobby section where we're going to talk about you know, building your own terrain uh, or using some of the kind that you can purchase. So the, the, the play area for Wild West Texas in, in the new game is three by three, so three foot by three foot, 
or if you're going to play in a really big game, right, Eric, you would want to enlarge the game mat to 4x4. Four four. So that that would be something like uh, Tom's Dream Posse build, where you have a lot of vehicles zooming around the board. Right. You, you may even want to just go ahead and blow that out to, you know, a 4x6 <laughs> table, really. <laughs> but so once you, once you determine the, the size that you're going to play, so like at 750 up to a thousand point game three by three is is going to be your sweet spot for terrain the next thing is you and your opponent have to discuss types of terrain right or the ground in the terrain so that's the first layer of terrain is the ground and you can have open area uneven ground and then what's called impassable so open area is your movement or your quickness is straight one inch per quickness then if you're going to have uneven terrain every inch of movement costs two of your points of quickness so it slows down your models and it's really important when uh, you're using units because as you move a unit if one or two of those guys in the unit hit that uneven terrain they're going to slow down so then you have to worry about unit coherency so before the game starts you got to really determine, hey, what's impassable terrain, which means you can't move through it, and then what is uneven ground, which will slow down movement during the game. You don't want to be halfway in the game and your opponent go, hey, wait, that's uneven. And you go, well, hey, we didn't agree to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, it'll really hinder your strategies if you don't discuss kind of uh, beforehand, you know, what is this, what is that. Because, yeah, there's nothing like you're getting ready to do a, a big haymaker on <laughs> somebody's boss and you're going through a certain area and it's like, oh, wait, that's that's quicksand. <laughs> it slows right, your right, guy right. down. You can't get there. So one of the cool things about Wild West Exodus is your terrain can vary, like, greatly, depending on where you guys want to play. And so when you're going over what is uneven terrain, some examples would be like sand dunes, right? Because there's yeah. desert areas you can be playing the game. Um, maybe like scrub brush or like maybe you, some of your terrain you build, you make some like just sections of bushes, right? You would say, hey, that's kind of uneven. It's going to be harder for guys to move through that, you know, with the pick of rares or something like that. Maybe even crops. Like if you do a little town and you got the cornfield in the back end, you know, uh, that would be make good good terrain, and it would be considered uneven. Sometimes people use forest. So like if you put a bunch of trees and you attach it to a little section, then that would also it's harder to move through forest when you're you know an army. Yeah, I actually use the trees quite a bit in some of the boards that I build for the guys at Grognards, and I, you know I tell them that. Okay, yeah, you can kind of see through it, but it's going to give you cover also. So that's something you think about. And then, like, right. if I usually it's it's a tree that's kind of on that base, like you're talking about. So you can actually move the figures through that little base that the trees are actually attached to. But I have to remind them that okay, they're going through technically a forest, and it's right. going to have your underbrush and stuff. So you, you guys got to keep in mind that it is going to be a little more difficult than just running through the forest. Exactly. And that's why, you know, it's recommended to discuss the terrain before you start. That way no, there's no miscommunications. 
Okay, so one of the biggest, I guess, draws to a game that I ever when it discussed over time was, um, you know, blowing up buildings, right? Now you're talking. Now you're talking right? some fun. So in the Wallace Exodus, all these guns and all most of the weapons are pretty explosive, right? It was optional rules in the original version of Wallace Exodus. So now they basically said normally buildings don't aren't destroyed. Right. So they basically describe that you're punching holes through the building, but most of the buildings in Wild West Exodus grown used to this. So they're a little sturdier or they're reinforced. So they don't automatically blow up when, you know, the outlaw drives through towns and takes a couple of pop shots just because he's excited <laughs> that he's going to visit, visit the Orbello. You know, they go, woohoo, yeah, pow, pow, pow. You know, you can't burn down the whole building, right? You know, so it just rips a whole damage instead of blowing it up. So, you know, that's one way to go. Should you want to have exploding buildings or the ability to destroy buildings, uh, you, you really want to set that up as part of the scenario that you're playing, right? Yeah. So you, you, you would want to design it to be one of the functions of the game that you're actually playing you know do you think of like kind of an example of a scenario eric where that would make sense oh well you could try and think are there any scenarios that have that currently i don't think there's any specifically I mean, but like could, i could think of crazy old prospector yeah, scenario yeah he's got his his, his tnt too close to the uh right. you know the stove oven or uh maybe it's you know a scenario where you got to get in, grab something, whether it be a loot, treasure, rescue somebody, and then you know bring the building down on the bad guys to make your escape. Right. Or yeah. your actual your mission is to be the distraction in the town. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to you get points for setting buildings to blow, and then your opponent would be defuse those those bombs yeah yeah right so at the end of every turn if you do, if you set the bomb up and there's not someone nearby the building blows it goes kablooey and then you earn like a victory point per building or you earn a victory point for defusing and, and, the bomb. and then the scenario is actually hey you're distracting the law or that that whoever your opponent is from accomplishing something else, right? So you're assuming that you know you're Billy the Kid, and your your job is to to do the distraction, and then Jesse is on the other end of town, actually robbing a bank, robbing right? a bank, yeah, or or you know whatever. But that, that that I think that's that's one way you can play it into in a scenario, and then you would just come up with reasons why the buildings are are actually exploding as you that's part of the game. I think uh, uh, Brian, we should uh, we need to contact Stuart. Uh, I think we're we're making some new scenarios for the game here. They <laughs> <laughs> may ever some see brainstorming. That way. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so Stuart, if you're watching any of our ideas that you like, and you know you can build on, you know, go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so and then okay, so. There are different types of terrain. So we talked about the ground level, right? Which is basically your 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 fields, your your basic fields of grass. And and you know, some people don't have anything, but you can use fabric, you can use 
mats. Uh, there's several different uh, wargaming mats that are, that are out there that you can use. So that covers the, the first layer of your play area. The next thing is terrain, right? Then terrain runs the gamut of two different categories, area terrain and then buildings. So area terrain obviously would be like outdoor functionaries, right? So trees, brush, rocks. Rocks. Could be barrels. of stone. Could be piles of uh, boxes and barrels, that type of thing. You scatter terrain. So you would barrels, fencing, you know, barricades of, of various sizes, trees, a lake or a pond. Yeah. You know, you, some people use a little water effect. They can make it in, you know, that would be another thing for what would be in the area. The crops that we talked about a minute ago, uh, those are all would be area, right? The other one would be buildings, okay? And so in Wallace, Texas, buildings, you can use various sizes, right? Some people like the buildings to be in scale with the models, but the way buildings work in Wallace, Texas now, they don't necessarily have to be, right? They can just be a representation of it because the game doesn't spill into the buildings. Yeah, yeah. So you can use smaller terrain. So some of you Malifaux players out there you want to use your Malifaux scaled buildings they still would work that's that's usually that's usually like 28 millimeters is what malfo right is. So, okay so you know just at, at a glance the, the scales are pretty close but the buildings do look a little small when you you plop a, a wall with sexist model especially with the bases on these models are, yeah. are really uh, a little bit taller than most basing you just gotta but, uh, you just gotta kind of think that your your little dudes are they're they're well-fed boys, you know, so they're big and strapping. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so here's some of the things about area terrain, right? So they have this list in the book. It's on page 36, and it goes over the types of area terrain, and then they have some rules that you can put on them that, you know, enhance the game, right? So we have Deep River. They suggest using the rule uneven which have distances traveled for the move actions that cross it, which is basically, you know, uneven ground, then dangerous. So dangerous is a rule that models in base contact immediately gain the hazardous condition, right? So you're in a deep river, you know, that's that could be hazardous, right? You can drown from that. You could, right. you you could know, say it's like rapids, going through rapids. Right, right. You can, you can hit a rock while you're moving through there and it can hurt you. So that's those are the suggested risks of walking through deep river if you make yourself a river terrain piece fence is just an obstacle if a model cannot fly fully cross area terrain with the obstacle featured as part of a move action and his base is wider than also obstacle then it cannot cross it if the base can fit on the obstacle then it can stop on top of it depending on the height of the obstacles player may consider it higher ground Models may need to climb to cross an obstacle. Models in an oval base may cross obstacles if they have the living mount trait. So some of those things, you know, with the fences is if your base size is larger than the, the fence, then you can just climb over it. Yeah. If it's if your base is smaller than the fence, then you're going to have to actually climb over it. Yeah, yeah. Uneven ground for forests, right? Hills, if you're on top of a hill, you're considered on higher ground. Higher ground is actually kind of nice. Um, it gives you a strategic advantage. So, one, you can overlook and see more of the play area, giving you a better line of sight. 
while you're on higher ground, a model can focus their aim checks for free. Which I think a lot and, of a lot of people forget about that focusing for free. You know, you, right? It, it, that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. You're saving, you know, your fortune or your action points to, you know, so you can do something else while you're up there. Right. And you also count as obscured against any unit except those who are also on higher ground. So anyone else on the low ground, you know, are harder to hit you. So uh, for line of sight, when you're on a higher ground, um, so terrain with the higher ground feature must physically be base size XL or larger. But regardless of their true size, they are considered to be base double XL or larger. And so models on it can always draw line of sight over smaller terrain pieces. So you're, it's, they're when easier to pieces. see, basically. Right. When other large uh, XL large size terrain block the line of sight of a model on higher ground, you should get a model's eye view to determine whether models in your unit can see over a particular piece. So, like, say you have a building that's that's a you know two story building, and your your model is up on top of it, and there's you know a a, a tree, right? Yeah, but it's yep. not as it's not a two story tall tree. It's just a half one story tall tree. You will always be able to assume you can see over that, and you won't have to actually draw a line of sight. You won't have to look behind your model to, to gauge that. But if there's another two story building, yeah, the same the size, target, right, is past that building, you would then want to actually bird's eye or model eye view from your model to your target. Because that terrain is in between you, you still might be able to see the target. Yeah, yeah. Something I like doing and that kind of thing to, you know, get that, see if you can see that line of sight. And I don't use it a whole lot, but every once in a while when you have that that doubt, that question, is I whip out one of those little cheap, you know, laser lights that you can get at the dollar store. And it's a little bit right. easier. Like, sometimes you can't fit your big old noggin down down by your model. <laughs> To see if you right. got a light of sight because there's too much stuff. So that little thing, you can take it down there and hold it next to your guy, his head, or you know the guy up on the building on his head, and just follow that laser line, see where where it yeah. hits. So kind of a simple way to avoid arguing too sometimes. Right. So those of you who live in uh, in some of the lucky spots in the North America that have hot springs. They suggest uneven and also dangerous uh, because of the heat and the water. That's you burn hot, your nether. That's a hot tub. That's a hot tub. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have jungle on here, which would be uneven ground because of, like you said earlier, underbrush, you know, trip you up. Mesa, okay, so you warrior nation play areas. If you're on a mesa, it would be considered uneven ground and then also higher ground. Okay. So you're walking up on the rocky top of a mesa, you'll be get considered on higher ground, but it's also going to be harder to rock, walk on it, I guess. So they consider an outhouse an obstacle. Ooh. <laughs> I think I would avoid that one no matter what. <laughs> and I guess, depending on where, it may also get hazardous, right? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe who last used it. I think it depends how hot the day it is. That's right. right. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 hazardous on desert boards. 
<laughs> but not necessarily if you use a green green mat. So you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, so rooftops, higher ground, uh, shallow stream, uneven. So it's like offset from like the deep river. You would have the dangerous, but for a shallow creek or something, you can have just uneven. You know. Smoke screen, uh, which there are several models that actually have access to that. If you have a smoke screen as part of your area terrain, there's a few things. It sets it apart from the actual stat on the models, right? So uh, smoke screen, like terrain piece, say you're playing a scenario where the um, they're doing a crop burn, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you, you purposely, the, 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 the union has has set a blaze to something and there's just smoke in the field of play, right? That smoke screen terrain would give you uneven. It also provides shrouded and, and gives everyone in it the disordered condition. So all those things apply if you're inside that ter- area of terrain stack of crates. So say you do a large stack of crates, it actually is now terrain, not just a one little piece, but big enough to where, there is movement over it because there's multiple crates. You are going to be uneven and an obstacle. Ooh, tar pit is in this list. Uneven and dangerous. That'd be an interesting uh, one to put on the board, I think. Right. Uh, uh, waterfall would be uneven and obstacle. Now, these are quite a few that we've gone through. And by all means, as you create your own weird terrain pieces, uh, use these as guides, and then you'll be able to pretty much outfit all kinds of different terrain that we didn't talk about today. Yeah, these these types of area terrain that they, they have listed is just kind of to give you a simple idea of what this type of uh, thing, if you put it on the board, would af- affect your posses as you're playing on it. So as, you, like Brian said, you're coming up with stuff, uh, there, this may kind of, it's a general guideline. So there may be something that it, if it's not on here, it may be closely related to it. It's just, you kind of got to do a judgment, you know, with your, your opponents and other players when you start to set up your, your board. Um, right. Um, so do you have any other thing to add on area terrain? We've kind of pretty much covered it. Yeah, I uh, think, I mean, we covered just kind of your basics when you're setting up the battlefield to give people ideas of just to, before you start setting up your posses and rolling dice, to just kind of go over some of that stuff so you know beforehand and you can plan appropriately based on the scenarios that you're going to be right. playing. Um, so the, the last piece is building. So we didn't talk about buildings much. So the buildings, one of the neat things uh, in the new game is they're they're abstract, right? So the way the buildings work is they work in an abstract. So you don't actually go up to the door, unlock it, and walk in, and then you have to go find a window to shoot out. You don't have to do any of that, right? So the way buildings work in, in Wild West Texas now is you move your model within three inches of a building you make a get in movement. So it's an, a move action called get in and you, your unit goes into the building. Just goes in. Yeah. Goes in. And then now your unit can shoot out or strike out from that building. And it doesn't matter where it's now you have a 360 attack field 
from the building. Yeah, you don't have to be in a certain window or an right. opening. I like to think of it as okay. You imagine you're you're say it's one of Jesse's hired hands in there. You know, he's got some of his just nameless units in there, and you think about okay, the law is coming down the street. They're hiding out in a building. They're just busting a, a hole in wherever they can to shoot at these guys. So you just right. think of it that there's way. A, there's a knot hole. There's a crack. There's a hole in the in the window. You know, yeah, and vice versa, shooting into a building, you're assumed to be able to, you you see the unit moving around. Either you saw, ooh, he peeked out the window, boom, you have line of sight. You only have to draw line of sight to the building, not necessarily anything specific in the building. Yeah. Yeah. So that's also, you know, works both ways. And so it makes it, again, it makes it abstract, right? You're not having to draw a specific line of sight through windows or anything like that. Well, it keeps it it keeps it fast pace and a little bit quicker right. going. So here are some of the things to remember on buildings, right? You should agree on the base size value before your deployment. For larger buildings, you should agree like it's a single story building or if a double X plus if it has two or more levels. Uh, buildings should be large enough to have a capacity for ten small bases. Should a level be smaller than this, it is suggested that it not be considered to have a capacity. Uh, the way I f- see it is you don't need to be actually put your models in the building. So if you have buildings that actually don't have liftable roofs, it doesn't matter. You you just would put a token or uh, stand your models on top and just make sure everyone knows that they're not on the roof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of times uh, what we do is we'll use just one model and kind of put them by the building and then the rest are off to the side so you remember okay that guy's units inside right uh units always occupy the lowest level first so if it has a second floor you actually have to take another action to get up to the the other level Mm -hmm. Uh, higher levels of a building cannot be occupied unless the lower level is occupied Uh, buildings are impassable to all models except for small and medium based units only one unit of hands or support may occupy a level of a building at a time, but multiple boss or face units can occupy the same level. The unit is considered to be in coherency while occupying the building. So once you're in the building, it's assumed your unit is in coherency. You don't have to keep track of how far apart they are. I think one of the most uh, important things, uh, Brian, come coming up that peop- a lot of people forget is when you're inside the building, that you, uh, your unit that's in there gets cover, and they also get the condition of um, hunkered. Man, I had a brain right. cramp there. <laughs> so you get both hunkered and cover when you're inside the building. Yeah, your your unit is automatically assumed to have made an in-cover-free move action. So it counts as obscured by the building, and you receive the hunker condition. Furthermore, the model's base side is still used for claiming the obscured advantages from any intervening train, and units in a building can only make in-cover, strike, shoot, and get-out actions. So you're, li- you're at- limited to actions while you're in a building, but you do get quite a few advantages. So one of the things you have to remember is if I'm in the building and you're shooting – at me from across two other pieces of terrain those obscure uh, bonuses from those other two pieces of terrain also 
work in my favor. Yeah, because it stacks. It you stacks know, up to stack what you get from the building. Yeah, I've watched a couple of uh, battle video, battle report videos, and they they sometimes forget. Yeah, it's easy uh, to forget. Stacks. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's the joy uh, of uh, miniatures gaming in general. That's right. <laughs> so rooftops of buildings can often allow units to be positioned on them. In all respects, units on rooftops should be treated as, as having higher ground and are not considered to be inside the building or in base contact with it. So yeah, they're just they're just hanging out on top. So they right something too to just remember they're not inside they're outside so they will not get that you know that free hunker down condition uh it's just gonna be you gotta think of the higher ground qualities they get the obscure bonus for being on higher ground and they get the free aim but they don't get the free uh in cover bonus yes yeah now we'll talk about large buildings right so some of y'all know I built an enormous twenty by eighteen inch. Um, you built a you built a building story. that's the size of a size of a tur- you know your battle mat. <laughs> right, it, it's two story saloon that has four rooms on the second floor and a balcony overlooking the stage and the bar area and the the ground level has a wraparound porch. Um, the second floor does too, but it also has a poker room and a, a kitchen. So it's huge, huge, large building. Uh, I designed it and made it during the first version of Wild West Exodus. When you actually played all your buildings, you played inside. You you had to, they weren't abstract. So, but there are rules for large buildings in the new version, and and they assume all buildings are small enough to where you can easily cross from one end of a building to the other within an activation. Yeah. But there will be some buildings that will be bigger than that, right? So if you have buildings that are comprised of multiple sections, you can rule that they are considered large buildings. If players agree for particular large buildings, such as a saloon, the capacity of a level may be increased to 20 to 30 models. Uh, try to keep them in with tens just for simplicity. And you obviously should specify what changes that you're making towards the large building before you start to play. These structures can be split into discernible sections and agree with the, your opponent how many sections there are in the building. And each section is treated as an individual building. And a unit may not be spread or split between sections. So it's basically you would set it up to where you say, for, for instance, my large saloon, you would say the common area where all the tables are would be one building, and then the kitchen would be a second building, and the uh, poker room would be a second, a third building, and then the upstairs again we split it up by rooms, right? Yeah. And so yeah. when you would go through into those new sections, you would have to treat them like separate buildings. You would have to use get in, get out actions to do that. Uh, move between sections as per the normal standard rules, and a unit can move from one section to the next by taking a walk action. And this is the only time that such an action is permitted in a building. Uh, simply move your models indicating occupation from one section to the next. So actually, so yeah, you don't even actually use the move, get in, get out. You just have to move. You have to make a move action. So like I guess if we're in the building together, I would make a move action to move into a different uh, area and then of course obviously you're shooting in and out would be this treated as the same 
Units in each section must be targeted individually. Units can only move through between sections that are touching. I think it'd be fun to play in a uh, actual a board that was pri- primarily like inside of a, a building, like your saloon. I think that would be it would make for some different tactics in a game. You know, right? Say you know you have a scenario, you make up a scenario where you you bust into the the saloon because the the laws hold in one of your outlaw guys in the upstairs parlor, you know, in the back, and you gotta. They're they're kind of think of like uh, the movie Three Ten to Yuma, you know, and they got they got them up upstairs and they're waiting for the marshals to come. Oh, he's not coming, so we got to get him back down. So it's like going through this army to get him over to the train. You know, it, it kind of makes for some interesting strategies and some story that you can tell with the right. game. I think, or it's even really- better, do a, a a demo where you have Jesse James against a saloon full of hands. Yeah, yeah, just a bunch of... Pretty much do the scene from Unforgiven. (laughs) You don't want to die, get out the back door. (laughs) (laughs) See which ones pass their mind check and which ones don't. (laughs) Yeah, you better roll a yellow check before we get started, boys. (laughs) (laughs) So we pretty much covered... The, the section on terrain and play area in the book. So obviously there's some other things that we didn't, we didn't read it verbatim for you, but there's some other things you're going to want to read through that section just so you and your, your um, opponents have a good understanding of when you put your terrain together and you're about to start playing. So if you want to, you know, use some of those special rules on different types of uneven terrain. Make sure you talk about, you know, the benefits of being in buildings. Make sure you, you go over those type of rules. That way you're not having to jump into the book in the middle of a game when, you know. And decide if you want to make something uneven. Right. Yeah. <laughs> why it dives into a building and shoots a shotgun through the wall. And everyone's like, what? You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you can <laughs> it's Wyatt. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you definitely look at those rules just so that doesn't bog you down during a game. Since we talked about setting up a, a playboard, uh, Brian, I wanted to ask you. So, what do you like to see out there on the board? Whether you're playing on a three by three or a four by four. Um. So, what would I like to see? I I really like the western towns, but. It really just depends on the scenario. So if it's just a standard, you know, obstacle scenario, I I just want to see terrain that goes from the the base, the the play area up. And I love lots of little terrain. I like lots of scattered terrain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want it to be a setting that I see and I understand, and it kind of draws me into it. Okay. You know, I really want to feel like the models are in the right setting. Okay. See, I, I like when I, I set up board, uh, I like to try to kind of imagine a story. And I I like to do, I do end up putting a lot of scatter terrain. I guess the people in my towns and my boards are just animals. They just leave their junk laying all around the streets um (laughs) i mean i do a lot of towns too but there is something i like to do is i like the forest i think i like doing 
kind of like your stagecoach stop where I'll have like maybe one building and then I'll do uh, you know a little bit of boxes around that building and maybe uh, some kind of smaller scenery piece whether it's an outhouse or a shed or something or maybe like a big uh at our our store we have um big tanks that we could use for the R, rj 1027 uh like right. pro, like propane tanks you know that you would see right. out in the country and then surrounding that then i'll put like my my ponds or i'll put a lot of rock outcroppings like they're kind of like they're in the rockies you know and this is a stagecoach stop so then I'll have a lot of your your forest scenery, like trees and stuff like that. I kind of like that kind of stuff because then I'll plop little animals here and there down. You know, right. like they're animals in the forest. So right. No, that's cool. And see, that's what's neat about, you know, when you play games like this. I mean, uh, this is the only war game I played. So it, it's that part of it is, I guess, captured me yeah. to where I really look forward to seeing, hey, okay, so what's the, what's the table's going to look like? So, like, when I was at Adepticon and, you know, William Mack shows up and what does... really, I just want to play on his tables. <laughs> you know, if I could always just play on Mack's tables, that's what I want because he truly has captured the layering of how I like tables. Now, yeah. mind you, I don't have all the things that he he uses, so I'm still I'm still fighting to attain that for my own games. Yeah, yeah. You well, got you got to get some more five gallon tubs. <laughs> right. Well, no, but I, I just I don't have any of the little pebbles, so yeah. I got I got some pebbles. You know, I need some rocks. I don't have any of that stuff. So, and I you know I'm still I'm still collecting scatter terrain that I need. You know, it it I takes just, time. I, I mean, for anybody that's looking to build their own tables and stuff, don't get discouraged. It does take time to get the kind of the stuff that we've talked about or are going to talk about. And, um, you know, you get the little pieces here and there and, you know, use your imagination of, you know, what you might see in a town or well, and, in and the definitely. Forest. Definitely don't not use scatter train just because you don't actually own any. Grab whatever you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely make sure you have scatter train in your play area. Uh, otherwise, you have nowhere to hunker down and get some uh, cover. I mean, if if you or your neighbors, you know, have any kind of landscaping that has lava rocks, you got scatter terrain. <laughs> right. <laughs> We we are not encouraging uh, <laughs> the uh, theft of neighbors' uh, you're rocks. Just, you're just borrowing it. You could you could give it back. <laughs> well, no, you just go. You just be neighborly and go over and knock on the door. Oh, well, hello, neighbor. Do you have any rocks that I might have instead of sugar? You're asking for rocks. <laughs> Hey, they might tell you to go pound rocks, but you know. <laughs> uh, so anyway, you have yeah. anything to add? I, I think regarding we, it, it's most of it's pretty basic type of stuff. If you just you know beforehand set up what everything means and how it's going to affect your your posse and your your different uh, units. But yeah, I think we basically covered it. And I mean, if 
once again, as always, if anybody ever has questions, you know, feel free to shoot us a line uh, on the Dark Council or even at our Gmail account or on our Facebook page. And yeah, I mean, if there's questions and we're always here to, to help and maybe give you guys some ideas, which in our next segment coming up, we'll have some, some pretty cool ideas for everybody. Um, but I think that pretty much covers it, Brian, if you want to move on to our next segment. Yeah, let's go ahead and bring in our special guest and uh, get started on the hobby section. How do you build terrain? Let's go. <laughs> All right, gang. Welcome back. We uh, got a new segment we want to try out today on uh, this episode of Black Hoof Saloon. Uh, we're going to something we talked about before when me, Brian, and Tom first started talking about the show and different segments we wanted to do. Uh, we thought something neat would be to do kind of like a hobby talk or a, a hobby segment that involved the world of Wild West Exodus, whether it was painting or maybe kit bashing or uh, something that would go well with today's main topic is terrain and terrain building. We've seen plenty of fantastic uh, buildings and trees and scenery that people have made on the Dark Council through pictures. We got to admit, we all love pictures. Gives us ideas of, you know, when we're constructing our own posses and stuff. And today, we actually have a community member that, uh, you know, he said he would come on the show and give us some insight to what he builds, and we have Will Mack on the show today, and if anybody's been on the Dark Council, I'm sure they've seen some of Mack's terrain pieces he's done for Wild West Exodus, and uh, like me, Brian, and Tom got the full effect at Adepticon two years ago, I believe it was, and uh, Will brought, like, uh, carts of tubs with stuff, so say hello. Eight, eight tables. It was eight tables. <laughs> Brian asked me to bring one. <laughs> <laughs> well, originally, it was, do you have any you would like to bring? Because when uh, he said he was coming, he could bring stuff, and I was like, oh, we, me and me and Scott were scrambling to find enough terrain, and so I was like, "Well, yeah, if you can help out with at least one table, we'll we'll be set." And he was like, "Oh, I, I can bring probably a little more than that." I was like, "Well, bring whatever you can. I don't want to, you know, since you're driving, you you'll know how much you can fit." And it was like, "Hey, I need help bringing this stuff in." It was like, "Okay," and then it just kept coming and coming and coming. It was it was remarkable, but well, the amount. Know- I couldn't decide what table I wanted to bring. I like them all. So, <laughs> yeah, he kept teasing us, uh, like, "Oh, I can bring this," and he sends us a picture. I was like, "Oh my god, that's awesome!" And he was like, "Oh, and I can bring this." I was like, "Oh my god!" The only one that he teased us with that he didn't bring was the, the water table. Oh yeah, yeah. It was because it would be ludicrous to cart, you know, that six by four piece of glass. <laughs> all the way across the country you know so we understood that why that one had to stay at home but yeah he he set up table after table after table and then 
actually helped rearrange them again as we set up for the uh, evening games and then set it re- rebuilt them all again the next morning for the tournament again. It was it was it was pretty awesome. So so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the process that Matt goes through and how he builds tables, how he builds terrain and you know, we'll we'll dust off some of the photos from Adepticon. Yeah, we'll have, you to, know, tw- we'll have to post 26. those. Right. So Adepticon 2017, we have some pretty cool photos of Max Table. So we'll we'll go sca- scavenge for them and repost them up on the the Facebook page, so everyone listening can then also go and uh, check out some of the pictures as well. So welcome into the saloon, Mac. Well, thanks. Where's the spittoon? <laughs> That's over by the bar. You probably already made one, didn't you, Mac? As a matter of fact, I did. It's on one of my bases and one of my mini. <laughs> <laughs> well, something I wanted to open with, Mac, is kind of where do you start? I mean, where do you get your ideas for a new table? I mean, what kind of inspires you? for a new table do you come up with like a theme or is it a story or do you build it around uh, maybe a certain type of posse or maybe a, a place we're gonna deep wow, dive in sounds, your mind here that sounds like a really organized way to approach something and i have no idea how to build a table like that <laughs> so how do you start usually what happens is um i'll just i'll just see something at a thrift store or, or an old piece of terrain that I have, uh, I'll get an idea. Sometimes what happens when the Ronnie Nemu mini came out, that was what inspired me to do the whole waterboard and to build a submarine and to get ships and everything. So sometimes it's just, it's nothing more than a miniature because, and then there is some of the story part in it too. Like every one of my tables it's a place, so it has a name, and it's it's part of the story. It's it's it, the game for me is about the immersion in the table. I don't want to just move little plastic dudes around and roll dice. I want to be immersed in the story of Jesse James gunning down Doctor Carpathian. Sorry, Eric. Oh. Or or if or if. If Darren happens to listen to this, uh, he can think back to Nando and him duking it out on that middle table with Wyatt and Jesse. Uh, for I don't know if you guys remember that, but they were rolling for quite some time. It was a very bloody battle, and then I think that was when Scorpion jumped out and ate Darren. <laughs> you mentioned you like to find stuff at like thrift stores. Is that kind of like your main place that you, you kind of repurpose things that you find there oh yeah most of my tables um are usually less than 50 bucks okay because uh, for instance the one that i remember the the first table we had set up there was robber's roost and it was the tin shack and all that all those tin shacks were made out of were ironically the insides of the buildings were all of the first edition wild west exodus cards that I glued together because I didn't have anything else to do with them. <laughs> Repurposed them. <laughs> Repurposed them. I, I was trying to figure out what to do with them. I didn't want to just throw them away. So I did that, and then I just covered them in corrugated cardboard and spray painted them. And then I had 15 buildings for 
cards that I was going to throw away just made out of cardboard. And that one, that particular town, when you asked if there's locations, that one's actually based on an actual location uh, that was called Robber's Roost. was also known as Brown's Hole because I'm a little bit of a history guy myself too. And it was a legitimate outlaw hideout in the Rockies was uh, Brown's Hole. So that's what that town was made after or that table. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, is there like specific things you go to look for when you uh, go to the thrift store or garage sales or anything like that? Uh, no. Uh, and that's because you, I feel like that if I'm looking for something, if I have an idea, I might be looking for something okay. specific. But if I'm just going to look, I kind of feel like if I'm looking for something specific and I don't have an idea that I'm going to miss something, miss something that might be a really cool piece of terrain. And sometimes, sometimes it's the simplest stuff that goes a long way too. So hot glue is your friend. <laughs> uh, what kind of things do you specifically like to build? I mean, you, we've seen your tables. You built, oh God, everything from the littlest rocks, you know, which is just, you know, it could be your gravel that you find at, uh, what, like pet stores or just actually in the somebody's, your neighbor's driveway. You know, they got the pee great gravel you just go out there grab some and hey i got some deck you know some terrain stuff um but i mean specifically is there anything that you really enjoy building for your tables building i kind of like building it all honestly but my favorite part about the table setup is like you mentioned the little rocks and as much as i would like to take all the credit in the world for that idea i can't there's a guy who does battle reports on YouTube, Striking Scorpion, and he does 40K battle reports. And I saw him doing it about putting down, having that bag of lichen and that bag of loose pebbles to break up those lines between your building and your flat piece of terrain to make it look more natural. And you, I'm, you guys saw the tables, just a little bit of lichen thrown on the board and a little bit of gravel spread around in those areas to kind of blend the large terrain pieces into your mat makes a huge difference and that's my favorite part about when i'm setting up a table is that last part the little details yeah putting down the putting down the rocks and the lichen and putting out the the little piece that's a a barrel with apples in it that that kind of stuff is is the most fun for me because it kind of it pulls everything together and then it's not just a table it becomes a little town or in the case of some of the other stuff that i built it becomes a valley a green valley with rolling hills and trees in it to to kill people in <laughs> <laughs> depending on which posse i'm using is depends on who i'm killing right so that that was one of the coolest things to watch is you know that that first morning we see these eight bins and various sized bins. You open them up and there's, I mean, just tons of tons of stuff in there. And we start first with the boards. And of course, Adepticon gives us all these mats. The first thing Will did was like, oh, we don't need this one. We don't need this one. Because he brought stuff, right? And one of the things he breaks out is this, looks like a rug. <laughs> like a green, various colors of green rug. And and then he tells us, I was like, yeah, this is like some fur rug. And, you know, I, I shaved it in parts and painted it. And and it would, he just threw it out on the table. 
and it's a verdant green landscape. You, you really hadn't didn't have to do anything to it. So it was like the first layer right off the bat set the the scene, and then he picked up something else and he put that down, and it was like these huge, you know, stone fixtures that he had repurposed from a toy set that you know he found cheap and he was like yeah this is my ruins table it was playmobil yeah (laughs) and 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 i'm like that is so awesome and it and it literally he set that up and then he then he was like oh wait hey get in that box there there's some rocks sure enough there are rocks in here and it's not like foam rocks or anything these are actual rocks and then he put some rocks down and then he was like oh yeah yeah hand me hand me that little bag and i hand him this bag and and then, then it's the pebbles. And then it was like, oh, no, no, hand me that, that other bag of green stuff. And, and out comes bushes. And it was like every time we turned around, he was adding another layer. And when he was when he was done, it was like the this this setting was ready. And it was the, the, the transition of pieces going down. You were transported there. Well, don't think for a second that I don't appreciate the irony that I drove boxes of rocks from South Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Don't think I don't appreciate the irony of that. Well, another uh, ironic thing is, uh, you know, your circus traveled all that way, too. Oh, yes, the circus. Man, that table is remarkable. Definitely look at those pictures. That one was the most unique table that he set, and all the way down to characters he he had built and painted to to be in the circus. We had animals, circus animals. We had, uh, I think we did we had the fat lady, and we yep. had a strong man. We had, you know, conductor or, you know, it, wow. was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was like P.T. Barnum showed up for Wild West Exodus. It was, it was really pretty cool. Well, another thing, too, when people are looking for inspiration to do their table is – History, even though we play in a an alternate history, man, history is full of all kinds of cool stuff. Because when I did the circus, I was actually I actually looked it up to see when they really started doing traveling circuses, because it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense if it was like 90 years later that they started doing traveling circuses, and I have one in the Wild West. So all that kind of stuff is you can just look that kind of stuff up, and it's so neat, like the robbers' roost and when circuses really started traveling around and all that real cool historical stuff is a great jumping off point. And I agree. And the coolest part about Wild West Exodus is, especially with 2.0, Stuart has gotten, you know, real comfortable and, and um, I guess repeating that the history of altered earth in Wild West Exodus is centuries old. And we're just happened to be telling the stories that are happening after the civil war but the changes in that world happened years and years before, like thousands of years of altered history. Right. So many things have changed already leading up to that setting. So one of those things, it, it allows for some flexibility of the timing of those type of things, which kind of neat. So it's not literally, oh, all this technology just showed up. Some of it could have been spearheaded a little of those changes such as you know why we have hovering jet bikes <laughs> a little soon too soon <laughs> i thought that was just because they're cool well yeah right <laughs> do you need another reason so 
one of the things that we want to talk about as because terrain is the new thing is terrain in 2.0 right so we we previous episodes we talked about hey what do you need as far as models to get started like then we talked about hey how do you build your posse one of the things we need to say hey what do you need to actually play wall with sexes we haven't talked about terrain so let's let's kind of talk about the basics a little bit and then we can start talking about how to introduce some of these advanced techniques that mac has uh shown us how we can truly capture the the scene of our battles instead of just having boxes on a t- on a table all right where do you want to start well we start with the mat so okay there are different types of mats wooden tables can only get you so far right it, it kind of breaks up that mystique of just playing on a table so there's different options. Like I know I, I picked up a felt mat and it has it's been painted to look like desert and it even has some uh, some sections that look like the roads in the town. So it has some gaps where you can put down buildings. So it's got an easy starting point. Uh, but what are some of the other options that we could use for the ground level of our terrain? Well, I think I mean I'm a big fan of the neoprene mats because they don't slide they don't slide around on the table. And inevitably, someone is going to spill something on your table. <laughs> it might be you, but it might not be you. And the neoprene is just a mouse pad, so you can just wipe it up, and it's really not a big deal. And when they first came out, they were pretty expensive, but nowadays you can get them for, for reasonable prices. Um, I I have a, a friend of mine who is out of North Carolina, and he sells mats, so. You know, I like to network with people, so I may or may not be able to get them pretty easily. Uh, <laughs> and Frontline Gaming makes good mats. Unipolar Gaming makes good, or Unipolar Games makes good mats. Uh, there's um, there's so many of them out there now, and they're pretty easy to get. And I know a lot of stores carry them. I'm a fan of neoprene, but like the one that the grass one that you talked about, that was. I, I don't even I don't even remember how much it cost. I think it was about seven dollars a yard, and I got two yards of it, so that was fourteen dollars I spent on it. And then I had to paint it, and that was it. And then you had a grass mat. Uh, a painting, it's fine. Combing it out, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't call in the kids and say, "Hey, kids, grab a comb." You remember that, huh? <laughs> I think, that's, I think that's in the Dark Council. There's a picture of all of my children and me combing out. <laughs> yeah, he, he did one for me, and I saw the kids. <laughs> my kids are my gaming group. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but not neoprene mats, personally, but the felt mats are really good, too. I know, uh, who is it? Cigar box? Yeah, cigar box mats. They do nice felt ones, too. And a lot of these companies that make these, they have your different theme mats, like uh, your desert, or uh, I have one that's a, a Badlands, so it's a little yeah. more brown. Um, we've seen stuff that's, there's jungle out there. So say you want to build a board that's kind of around uh, the Confederate posse, you know, whether it's Marie Laveau and you want to go more of the bayou, or just a, a you know the the southern kind of feel to it. There is you got kind of that bayou swampy look. Or then there's your uh, snow, snow, snow. Yeah, very good yeah, one. That's right. 
there's ev- I mean, everything is out there. You can get a mat for just about any kind of terrain that you want. Right. So one of the options that we didn't talk about yet is actually building a foam, you know, table. Foam, so where, out where of foam core boards, right? Carve into some, uh, you know, some foam. And, you know, then you can do like trenches and burnt earth and, you know, a bunch of craters and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I see a lot of the videos on YouTube where that's mainly a lot of the style that they do for permanency. Uh, right. I know Rob Hawkins, he's made to, all his tables are based on starting with the foam foundation. His stuff's phenomenal. I, I love his stuff. Yeah. If you haven't seen his recent build that he's putting together for Gen Con this year. Wow. I, I am like bated breath waiting for the next posting. Uh, he's building a harbor. Do you know what his blog uh, uh, address is, off chance, Brian? I think it's Rob Hawkins. Yeah, I think if you just uh, do a search for Rob Hawkins, it's going to come up. Okay. Um, that, that's how I first found him when when he did the first couple of Wild West Texas tables. Because I never, you know, being new to the war gaming setting, I, I didn't know who he was. So I would just do a search and find it, found his blog uh, fairly easily. What's um, what's neat about that foam that he uses uh, is that you could go to any home building store like Home Depot, Menards, or and it, it they sell it in like four by eight sheets. It's really cheap. Uh, you can get it different thicknesses and cut it up. It's really you, neat. You, you live in Illinois where they have the thick two inch stuff. Yeah. I live in the south. They don't sell the two inch stuff down here. Oh. We don't need that kind of insulation on our houses. You just double it up. <laughs> it doesn't get that cold here. But it, uh, for Rob, it's Rob Hawkins Hobby Blogspot. If anybody wants to go check out his stuff, I need a I need a hotel bell so I can go ding 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 ding. <laughs> no, I think you're. I think you verbalizing the ding 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 went fine. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so. So after the table mat, right, let's talk about the different options for, for buildings, right? You know, first we'll talk about buildings, then we'll talk about other settings. Like you said, snow, obviously you can do buildings in snow, but you can also do, like I think you mentioned, a valley. Uh, we've right. seen some some of the desert settings where you can actually build, like, uh, mesas and pillars of rock. And, you know, we've seen some of those examples uh, on some of the battle reports that we've seen. Just just recently, uh, Mini Wargaming, their third battle report, actually had that was the table they used was the Rocky Mesa table, and it was pretty pretty neat as well. Uh, so, what I did when I first got into the game, I I was like, I don't have the money to buy the terrain out there, you know, like calling some of these places that actually did MDF or anything like that. So I was like, uh, after being inspired by Rob Hawkins, I was like, hey, I could do that. <laughs> at least i can get it close right so i started building terrain of course the in version the first version of wild with sex is the transition from outside to inside was seamless there was no interruption of you just flowed right into the buildings so all of my terrain that i had built was all big enough to where the models could fight inside yeah and mine. uh you know, and I used uh, foam board. You know, you can buy it at uh, hobby stores. And then, uh, although my very first one, I, I was too eager to wait to get some foam board. And I just used a hard paper and uh, a glue gun. 
So I literally just glued hard paper, like two sheets of hard paper together to, to make it, you know, sturdier. And I built my first building out of just cardboard and not really cardboard, but it was like hard stock. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, similar to, to using actual gaming cards, but, uh, and it was really big and I was like, okay, it's a little big. It's too, it's too deep. So yeah, then my next, then my next one, I, I shortened it a little bit. And then uh, I was like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. All right, let me build a saloon. Yeah. But then I'm watching movies, and then you see the, the, the ones you see on the store or on the webs, on the internet, and all these saloons are real small. Even Rob Hawkins' saloon, which was amazing, and it separated in a neat way, it wasn't big enough to really be a saloon. You know, There wasn't a room for a stage. There, there wasn't even any rooms upstairs. It just had a balcony. There was... There's nowhere for the horse to go with the guys. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so that's not really a saloon, right? So I was like, okay, I gotta go to I gotta build one a little bit bigger because it's gotta have some rooms in it. And so I built this 20 inch by <laughs> like 18 inch monster saloon. Uh, pictures are out there on Dark Council if you want to see it. It it's massive. And of course, you can't have a saloon without the balconies and the second floor and so it's all in there. Brian doesn't 40, hold back. Uh, I don't. And I, I went, it, I mean, it's cased in, in, in wood. Uh, I put banisters in there and I mean, it's, it's amazing. And then a year goes by and I still haven't painted it. And another year goes by and I still haven't painted it, <laughs> but I use it. It's just not painted, you know? And, uh, so the important thing is don't buy it off a little too big and it, it's, it's now getting painted. But what's neat is you, you can build, build things yourself. And in 2.0, the inside's not as important anymore. They kind of simplified the terrain quite a bit to where the the inside of a building is handled lo- more like vehicles. So it, it streamlines the in and out of the buildings. And so now all these big buildings that I have really don't make sense to that, to the new way of gaming without yeah. some, it does. Uh, it's a different kind of gaming. Off- Right, exactly. Like, uh, so I can still, I still play in the in the the saloon, but it's more like a demo. It's a demo table of right. one build, <laughs> you know, and it still works out. You you just play like the inside is outside, but you know, the neatest part of this new era of Wallace Exodus is now War Cradle is making terrain, and their terrain is is smaller. Because they don't have to be big, because most games, the outdoor setting in the town is where most of the gameplay is going to happen. But the buildings also can open up, so you could do inside, you know, combat, especially for like the larger building. They just came out with like a bank, so it's a much bigger piece. So it does open up those options uh, for for gameplay as well. You mentioned, go back a little bit, Brian, you mentioned that one of your early ones is you just used like a, a paper card stock to make your, your first buildings. And I think that's a neat point to bring up to people that uh, don't really have the money to either buy the MDF or, you know, some of the, the nicer pre-made buildings that you just put together that you can make your own terrain terrain for for really next to nothing just based on whatever you can find around the house or at your uh like will said you know at at the different uh resale shops and stuff and you just repurpose it so it doesn't really take a whole lot to make 
train for your games. Well, you can fill up a table. Like I know one of the things that was leading to a lot of people terrain-wise for Wild West Exodus back in the original edition, and even now when you look at a table, is so many of the fights go down in a town, and the MDF buildings are expensive, so it's hard to get 13, 14 buildings on the table, right? Yeah. Right. Right? Wrong. Check it out. I got a secret for you. You ready? Shoot. Are you, are you ready? Okay. Ready. Buy two MDF buildings of a style that you like. The MDF buildings you have to assemble anyway. Everybody has cardboard boxes. Take your MDF buildings, pop out the, the external walls, trace them on the cardboard as many times as you want, cut them out, put together cardboard buildings that are going to look exactly like your other MDF buildings so that you can put those together too. It's a really easy, really fast way to reproduce your buildings. You're still buying the MDF buildings that you can afford, so you're still supporting the companies that we need out there to produce this stuff so we have them for the games, but you're also filling up your table in an in inexpensive way, and it's your table. You know what I mean? You built it. You can say when somebody comes over to play on your table, be like, yeah, that's, that's my stuff. Those two are MDF buildings, but the rest of them I built. So it's a really easy and quick way to do it is to just trace the panels and you get the basic structure. I've got a handful of buildings that I did like that because I just really like the the way that that particular building looked, just tracing that outline, tracing those pieces and cutting them out of nothing more than cardboard boxes. Because like I said earlier, hot glue is your friend. Now, (laughs) don't get me wrong. Hot glue is hot. You will burn yourself a lot with hot glue. But but it's it's your friend, man. I mean, you can you can build something out of cardboard with hot glue. You can coat it in watered down regular school glue, and you can throw it up against a wall and it won't break because it's just solid. And you can fill up your table with buildings for next to nothing, cardboard boxes. Funny is he mentions this after I already built my MDF building. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of it after I had built most of mine. I had to order another one. I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> Especially since some of the ga- uh, the buildings that WorkRider have come with two signs. So, right. you know, encourage you to have a second one. And um, that's one way you can get those other, that other sign up on a building is, is to – you know, handcraft a similar, you know, replica of the one that you bought. So that, that is a really good idea, especially those who are saving pennies. Well, not only that, not even if you're just saving pennies, but some people will say, ah, well, I just can't do that. I, I can't build something like that. Man, anybody can build this stuff. Like the way I set up a table, it's not anything but little techniques and stuff. Anybody can set up a table the way that we had all those tables at Adepticon that one time. It's it's just the little things, being able to fill up a table with cardboard buildings. Nobody knows the difference. Right. And that, that's what's neat about watching someone do it, you know, watching the method of, you know, OK, well, you got to put your buildings down. And really, when you you're setting up for a scenario, there's certain layouts work better for certain scenarios, obviously. And, you know, obviously the book is going to give you a heads up of how to set up your train as well. But what the neat thing is, is you can go deeper. You can always take that next step. You know, it's like, yes, now we got it. We got, we got our new table mat, right? We just got a, a mouse pad table mat three by three. We've got 
we bought two buildings, so now we got the two buildings on it. And then there's that next layer. And the next layer is sometimes the most trickiest layer in the table design, and that is scatter terrain. Am I right? Yeah. Because if you skip scatter terrain, it's a brutal fight because there's nowhere for your guys to hide and get cover. So, you know, now let's talk about things. And scatter terrain is actually one of the neatest ways is because it's like a stepping stone into building the a building, right? If you're you're nervous about building a building, start with a fence. Right. Or some right. barrels. Barricade. Start with some boxes for crates, right? And like you said, you can use anything. You can cut up some, some old cards. Um, you can use you can just use paper and there are gobs and gobs of resources online where it, you can even get a template of how to fold paper into a box. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but you can get a, if you have a craft store, whether it's Michael's or Joann's or Hobby Lobby, whatever it is, they usually sell a box of half inch or a bag of half inch wooden blocks for right. 99, for like 30 of them. And then you hot glue them together into stacks of crates and paint them. And you've got five or 10 of them. One of my favorite things to do is a lot of times when you're building scatter terrain is you got to base it. But then as soon as you base it, you're stuck with your scatter terrain for that table. And what I mean by that is you can't take your desert based scatter terrain and put it on your snow table and have it maintain that illusion you know what i mean because now you got a dry patch of sand in the middle of your snow but uh, what i do for that is particularly for like scrub brush and things like that is if you get yourself a piece of parchment paper cooking parchment paper from the dollar tree and spread it out and get your handy dandy hot glue gun out again you uh, put a blob of hot glue down on the parchment paper stick your scrub brush into it stick a couple of rocks into it and once it dries, you pull it off of the parchment paper. It doesn't stick, and you have a clear base that you can't see on the bottom of your terrain. And you can put it on anything. You can use it for any game. It's not restricted to a desert game like Wild West Exodus tends to be. That's that's how we see most of the WWX boards is they tend to be desert. You heard it here. Tip number five today from Matt. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're missing. We're, see, Tom would have been really good at keeping track of everyone so he can throw out a number, you know, like ding, 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 number five. <laughs> yeah, one of uh, a kind of newer scatter terrain that I've been playing around with, I was in Jewel Osco grocery shopping, and uh, I was walking through kind of in their, the Osco section. They got your, like, the toys and magazines and stuff like that. And I walked past... Uh, they had like your bags of, uh, you know, your little plastic army men or uh, different animals if you're doing a diorama or something for a school project. And they actually had a bag of, it was like farm animals. So I picked oh, yeah. up this big bag of farm animals that had uh, three to four horses, cows, it had sheep, you know, your goats, pigs. And um, I think it was like two bucks for this big old bag of plastic animals that, I love it because, like you're saying, that you need that scatter terrain to kind of help tie the buildings into your mat and uh, give it maybe kind of a the story or personality. 
well, it's like I have a building set up and, you know, it's I got this area behind the building and it's like, hmm, what could I put here? I know I'm going to put a school of pit, you know, your little pigs out there eating or maybe if I have a fenced off area, I'll put some cows in there or something. So it, it adds a little bit of personality. I mean, all the scatter terrain adds some kind of personality. Say you have, you know, a, a big one for the different terrain you see for the Wild West Exodus is the, the post office. Well, that's it, perfect for putting like your square blocks, like you said, Mac. Put that in front of, in front of or back behind the building, and all of a sudden now it's a shipment waiting for the Pony Express to come along and pick it up. Absolutely. And that uh, talking about those animals, that reminds me of a game that we played. Um, I think it was it was still first edition. We yep. set up we set up a farm, and I had about forty. Angus cow models on the table. <laughs> when we started shooting, they started moving. <laughs> it was not a pretty picture. It was not a pretty. Now the same, a very similar thing happened on the circus table too with the elephant. Yeah, I, 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 I was that one game I played with Darren. I was hiding behind that elephant <laughs> a lot. Yeah, when we, when we play when we play on that table at the house, don't get close to the elephant. <laughs> We have house rules for the elephant, and it's unpleasant. Stay away from the elephant, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and also it gave us the opportunity when we were playing the narrative games to introduce mutated animals. Right. You know, and that, that added a, a, a definite different angle uh, in the games because everyone had a small number of models each, but then it got to a point where because of the mystery of, hey, everyone's opening these objectives, you didn't know what you were going to get. So it was random whether or not, yeah, whether it's going to be mutated creatures. And it got to a point, there was a couple of players who literally just stopped searching the objectives. They were like, oh, screw it. I don't want to risk it. (laughs) (laughs) I think poor Paul. Yeah, he, he literally he's like, oh, yeah, I'm done. I'm not searching another one because he <laughs> was the first one to get into the mine and literally had opened like four of them before anyone else had opened one. And literally, I think all but like one of the ones he opened was a an RJ infected creature of some kind. You know, I think after the bear, he said, OK, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and i think darren's the one that had the, the badgers and he didn't like the badgers yeah i think he i think he pulled several badgers so uh real quick you, you guys let's go over the different types of material so i know we touched on a lot of these uh the basic material to basically start a terrain board number one thing max said is hot glue right hot glue gun hot gotta glue. have a hot glue gun what other? Yeah, I think another glue is I use wood glue. Like at some point, you may want to start introducing wood ter- to your terrain, and an easy way is to just glue ba- basswood or balsa wood to the exterior of your buildings. It gets it instantly turns it into wood buildings without you having to paint. Well, it gives the, it, you know, yeah, it gives it depth design. that way. It's it easier you for depth. depth. I'm way too uh, for glue. That's why I use hot glue. <laughs> what I discovered is I, I actually switched to using the basswood uh, or the the wood glue because the wood glue is uh, you don't have to hold it. Right. It's it tacky. actually is tacky enough to where once you push it, it stays without too much 
wrestling, uh, right. which are white Elmer's group, you're going to have to clamp it uh, or you're going to get cramped hands. But with high glue, especially when you're doing big pieces like a large building, as you're putting the glue down, you, you may not be able to get all the glue you need to, to secure the pieces before some of that glue starts to harden. So that, that was one of the hard parts that I did because I started using the hard glue because I thought it would be faster. Like it, it, I wouldn't have to worry about drying. And uh, some of the glue clumped up on me, and it was just it just made it different. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's tricks to it too. I, I'm I, I build I've built models out of hot glue. So the more you practice with it, the more um, adept. Yeah, you kind of get a little bit more control and get more used to how the hot glue flows. And then you get a favorite hot glue gun, and then it breaks. And it's a very sad day in crafting land when your favorite hot glue gun breaks. <laughs> Right, you had to take it out back and shoot it. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> it's like the worst thing ever. Um, Did you? Well, no, Mac. Of course, you didn't take it out back and shoot it. You actually turned it into a piece of terrain. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that would just be a waste of material if I come on. That's right. <laughs> so, what other materials uh, do we have that you can make terrain with? Yeah, Brian, you mentioned foam core board. Uh, yeah, that's so. I, I most of my buildings after my first one, I switched over to foam core, and that's really just because I I was piggybacking off of you know tons and tons of hours poking through Rob Hawkins' blog, and, you know, and then I then I I use the uh, balsa wood as an exterior, and then I just I, instead of str- cutting strips and actually planking everything, I think I did that once and was like, yeah, that takes too long. So then I just would run my you know, the backside of my exacto and just etch in the lines. And that's enough to give the illusion that there are planks there uh, once you paint it. With the foam core, there's another little trick. I guess this would be number six, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I make a lot of foam core buildings too. And one of the things you can do is foam core can be expensive or you can get it at the Dollar Tree, which is where I buy all mine. And the nice thing about the foam core from Dollar Trees is since it's cheaper, the paper will peel right off of it. And when it peels right off of it for that wood grain, you can take a ballpoint pen and you can draw the wood grain into the actual foam. And then you can glue it all together and you'll have texture and detail on the side of it. The only downside to that is you can't spray paint them, so you you have to prime them with a brush because foam core does not – like the propellant that is in aerosol spray cans. So that's the only downside to that. But yeah, definitely foam core. One of my favorites is, like I said, I'm way too impatient. Like as soon as I start building a table, I already have another table idea in mind. So I need to hurry up and finish the one I'm working on. (laughs) Uh, But the rocks, I think, didn't I send you a few of the rocks, Eric? Yes, you did. So those rocks, I I can do two four by six tables worth of canyon it's the same canyon we used for the mine that that material i can do i can do two four by six tables full of that stuff because it's just expanding construction foam right and you just spray it out into a general lump shape that you want and once again hit your favorite thrift store or resale shop and buy a big gigantic kitchen knife and start chopping it up and that stuff you can spray paint, which is what's really nice about it. You spray it, get a, a, a base color, whatever you want. You know, you want desert, go with a brown. Or uh, if you want 
mountains go with a black and then dry brush it gray or brown and you're done and you can pump that stuff out super fast yeah, and those cans of that stuff is a reasonable price too yeah you can get the cheap stuff for about four bucks and that four bucks will do enough pieces depending on how high you how big you want them that'll do enough pieces for a four by six table right so that's not bad four bucks four bucks for uh a four by six table full of rocky outcroppings in an afternoon fully painted and ready to put on the table that's not too bad yeah that's awesome uh one of my last buildings i built which you know i wanted to try something a little different because all of my other buildings were wood so i went with for my jail i wanted to make it half metal and you know and then half uh i guess stucco so what I did was I bought some some cardstock, some heavy duty cardstock, and I used that as I guess metal. So I, I would because it, it has no texture. So then when you paint it, you can just paint it as if it's uh, that it's uh, metal. So I actually cut that up in strips and kind of layered those pieces as if they were reinforced uh, metal for the roof. And I made like an observation deck on the second on the roof of the metal side. You know, and then I, when I built the door, I actually made the door out of plastic card. Okay. You know, just so it's a little bit sturdier. So, and then I use plastic card in different layers to actually build up the uh, thickness of the door. And the, the the neatest thing I did for that building is I actually used wire and bent jail in wire for a fluorescent, you know, sign. I tried to do that for my saloon, and I think it said Swiss Minister because it didn't come out very well. <laughs> I, got the S. I got the S, and it just kind of went downhill from there. So, right. And a buddy of mine, um, when I did a big demo day at Space Cadets in the Woodlands, the owner actually went out to Michael's and bought a bunch of the – the, they sell them in their wood section, those little, hey, these are birdhouses, paint them up for your yard. Yeah. You know, he just painted them up for for his western terrain for Wildwest Exodus. And, you know, it was a very quick way of getting some buildings on the table. And they, they turned out really good. So another, you know, you hit, you hit the 40 to 50% off sale and you can grab those uh, fairly cheap. For those of you who who don't like to be crafty, right? That's still crafty. That's still crafty. Yeah, but it's it's on a lower scale. It is, but but it's I think it's kind of like a like a gateway. You know, you get them started doing something, and then you you want your table to improve, and all of a sudden you want it to become something more than just a collection of stuff that you throw on the table. You want to build your town. You want it to have a look to it. You want to have those little things where you have the boardwalks in front of your buildings. You want to have the barrel of apples. You want to have the little wheelbarrow at the side of the undertakers and a few coffins on there. Cause Michaels and Hobby Lobby always got to get, uh, they always have a uh, coupon and oh, at Halloween yeah. you can go and get lots and lots of coffins at Michaels with a coupon. Right. Is that another tip? I think that was another. Yeah. That sounds like another tip. <laughs> okay, number seven. <laughs> I got more. <laughs> well, do we got anything else to cover over uh, kind of getting people started and 
building their terrain and for their all their Wild West games, whether it be in the town or in the mountains? Um, I, I, you know what I would say? I would say just think outside the box because all of the battles don't have to take place in the dusty town. So whatever somebody's posse is, I th- you mentioned that at the beginning, Eric, asking if that's what I did. And it, it's not, but I think it's a really good suggestion to look at who your your main posse is. Unless, of course, you know, you have collecting issues like some people I know, like myself, where you can't decide <laughs> which posse, <laughs> where you can't decide which posse you want, Brian. Uh, <laughs> I, I sympathize with you. I sympathize with you. I have the same problem. But to right, yeah. to, to think of something for your posse and then build that for them. And you, you kind of creating your own narrative around it, because one of the things that I liked the most about Stuart and the guys at War Cradle taking over the game was when they started, when they got Dystopian Wars and started kind of not blend the two games, but connect the narrative. Right. To, that's what I've always done in every game I've ever played is I want to build this world of what's going on in the game that I'm playing, and that's what they're doing. So you have all of this narrative that you can contribute, your piece of whatever that narrative is, by building your table as simple or as intense as you want it to be. That would probably be my biggest piece of advice is latch on to your posse, which, of course, we all know that's hard to do to figure out which one you really want to do anyway. But if you can right. figure that out, if you can figure that out, it's go from there. Build something for that that particular posse. And I think right. that you find so much more inspiration there. And then you start putting those little personal touches on it because maybe you played a game where this lowly nobody lawman killed a boss by a super lucky roll. And you add something to your table that's representative of that. So, you know, it begins to take on its own flavor and it becomes a narrative unto itself. So, right. That reminds me of another um, community member, like during, you know, years ago on the old forum, they actually tied terrain into their campaign. So they basically their campaign was designed around each of the players was basically an up and coming tycoon trying to build this town, but right. they were in competition. So right. each of the tycoons had a certain amount of dollars for to to pay for a posse to do their fighting for them. And yeah, so I as that. that's right, as the campaign went on, they would have a, a battle, and the winner got to add a building of their choice. Right. So the town started with, I guess, I think it was like a post office or a general store. And then so after the first battle between two of the tycoons, you know, one of them hired Jesse James, the other one hired Grant, and they had a battle. And at the end of the the resolution of who won, that tycoon got to exercise his right as, hi, I won. Uh, I'm bringing in the, I'm bringing in a, uh, have to say they're bringing in a whorehouse, right? So right. he's bringing in a bordello into the town, and then the next fight is between player two and three, and the, and the the winner of that he's like, oh no, nah, we're bringing in the law. You know, his his posse was lawman, so he decides, okay, no, we're bringing in a jail. So boom, 
the jail has been added to the town. So as they kept playing, the town grew and their influence also grew and that gave them more access to more money. They kind of tied it in with the terrain. So they got to slowly build up or purchase buildings and then add that to the to their table as they played, which I thought was a really neat way of growing your terrain and your, your posses at the same time. Yeah, because I think not everybody wants to play that big, narrative game a lot of people are competitive players and that's cool too they just want to play competitively and they don't care if you have tennis shoes on the table for terrain they just want to throw dice and kill people but for me when i do the narrative i want to take something out of the game like one of the ones sticks out the most to me that we played i played where a dirt farmer killed jesse james i don't remember anything else that happened in that game but a dirt farmer killed Jesse. <laughs> it was glory. That, that dude got a name after that. <laughs> His name was Fernando. I know Brian get that joke, right? Fernando. <laughs> not in the know, that's my son's name. <laughs> yeah. Not everybody knows that. So, Will... We got since you're a guest on the uh, the show and uh, something we're gonna we're gonna I think put you on the hot seat a little bit. Uh, I, I got some questions for you. I'm gonna have to change these up pretty soon, Brian. But we're gonna ask you some questions that just I want some answers from you that are like top of your head. We're gonna see what you, what, what what you got for us. So. First question I'm going to ask you is Stetson or 10-gallon hat? Stetson. Okay. See, we, we're trying to get an idea of who is Will Mack. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a biker, so I, I don't actually wear a cowboy hat. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so the question about chaps is no oh, chaps? Only, only if it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I live in the South. It's too hot to wear chaps. <laughs> Unless they're uh, behindless. Still too hot. <laughs> you burn your cheeks on your motorcycle seat. No thanks. <laughs> All right. So if you were a character in the world of Wild West Exodus, who would you be? Buford Nash. Buford Nash, okay. It's on my table right now. (laughs) (laughs) And then let's see. Next question for you is now, if you personally were riding in the town, kind of go with your biker here, you're riding in the town on your blank, what what would you ride in the town on? I'm, I'm assuming this is a Wild West. In the wi- world of Wild West Exodus, out of all their vehicles and, and yeah, what's What's for What's Buford driving in town? In? I would I would still roll up on a on a paint. I'd roll up on a horse. On a horse, okay. He's going old school. Yeah, man. Remember, well, he's a rebel. Re- that's right. <laughs> oh, I don't trust robot horses. And then after you got into town and you moseyed up to the saloon for a game of poker. Okay, so you go in the saloon for a game of poker. You sat down at the table. Who would you be sitting there with playing poker? Now, it could be this one I'm going to make a little bit different. So it could be a character in Wild West Exodus, or it could be maybe somebody in the real world. Who do you want to play a game of poker with? 
I think if we had to sit down and do that as Buford Nash, it'd need to be Darren, you two, Tom, and would have to have Nando there too. Oh, which well, you know what would happen with that? We just give all our money to Nando. That what? Well, that's what happened last time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know how that goes. <laughs> I played games with kids, and I know how your kid is. Hey, but guess what? You see, I had a plan there because he's going home with me. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> it's either hand it over to Dad or start walking. Right. <laughs> All right, here's one. What is the favorite, your favorite piece of terrain that you've built? Oh, that's a really hard question. Um, Lightning. For anything or just Wild West Exodus? Anything. Anything. It's probably going to be my crane that I built for the Drowned Earth. Oh, I've seen that. It's 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 beautiful, man. It's about 32 inches tall. And And, uh, and that doesn't doesn't necessarily have to not be Wild West Exodus. Because I know a guy named Mac who could put that on a Wild West Exodus uh, table and make it work. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, That'd be great. Now, guess what I got to do tomorrow now? Thanks a lot, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, that's really what happens, Eric. Somebody says something and I go, hey, I got to do that. <laughs> it's almost like you need a notebook for these ideas. No, that would be way too dangerous. It's better that I forget some of them. <laughs> I don't have room in my house. <laughs> All right. So, okay, here's another one. So, if you could go anywhere anywhere to visit anyone you want to to play Wawa Sexes, where would you go and who would you be who would you be meeting? Um I think to pick a random location I want to play in the Cumberland Gap. And honestly, I would play with Fernando. That's my that's my main gaming buddy. Yeah. Cause you're that's gonna, awesome. Because you're gonna know him the rest of your life. Yeah, and he has to play with me. <laughs> I, I think it, he, he gets to play with you. He gets oh, yeah, to play with you. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, gets you to get, play with you. You get to play each other, and that, that's what's actually kind of cool. Uh, some yeah. of the best games I had were was when my boy said, hey, Dad, can we play while with Texas? You know, and I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, and my, my eight-year-old now, he has started uh, – He's got a spot at, at my paint table. So they all paint from my four-year-old to my 24-year-old. They all paint. So that's pretty cool. See, we all sit around and paint. My kids are, I guess, hobby shy around me. Well, you know, kind of like how you mentioned in the beginning, you know, you, the, they, they intim- I, I, my paint intimidates them. And I'm right. thinking, and, and you know, I, I, I grew up drawing and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm like, you just have to practice. Just do it. You know, I didn't get good naturally. It, it's the volume of attempts, <laughs> you know, and well, luckily I've my volume, I've got the volume down. I just I'm still not any good, but that's OK. I got a lot of painted stuff. Uh, I beg to differ, man. I, I, I actually got to see up close some of your stuff and it don't sell it short because, uh, you know, some of the coolest models that you brought were just you capture the theme of the model perfectly like those those circus mutated circus uh people i do love my circus people man they're just uh, the fat lady correct (laughs) me if i'm wrong was she eating something yeah 
she was eating someone's leg. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, captured perfectly. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> well, I got one last question for you, Will Mack. Go for it. So, what is your favorite Western movie slash actor? Oh, Outlaw Josie Wales, Clint Eastwood. That's easy. Okay. <laughs> also, all right. All those- okay, so here's the last question. Okay. And this the question is in honor of Tom. <laughs> Deep dish or thin crust? Oh, it depends on the pizza joint, but usually thin crust. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we tease about pizza all the time, and <laughs> so that was, that was a nod to, to Tom. <laughs> would have been here well all right i think we uh ran the gamut on uh, the hobby terrain i hope uh everybody liked getting in the mind of will mac and we'll post some pictures on the facebook page so people can see it like i said there's wills all over the dark council he's post pictures of projects he's working on he has Many, many pictures of his different boards. Uh, if you guys want to see some of the tables, we'll post some, but if you want to look at, uh, I know last year I posted a lot of pictures from Adepticon. If you scroll back last year around March, you'll, you'll find the Adepticon pictures. And uh, thanks, Will, for being on the, in the saloon. You bet, man. Giving Thanks everybody some, yeah, oh yeah, giving everybody some tips of building. Um, I, we're constantly seeing people asking for ideas on tables and stuff and i i i hope and i think this will help people when they're building their uh their battlefields for their posses well on the uh uh wild west exodus website i did a couple of blog articles in the blog on there too that's got a couple of step-by-step terrain things so if anybody wants to check those out they're farther back it was when they first started the blog so they're way back in the beginning of it but there's some stuff on there too that it has some step-by-step pictures. So if anybody wants to check that out, they can. Okay. Very good. And yeah, if anybody has questions, you know, you could always hit, uh, hit one of us up on the dark council. We're, we're always there lurking. So we'll, uh, be helpful to, you know, we'll be, try to be as helpful as we can. Sweet. Thanks guys. All right, guys, stay tuned. We'll have some more for you. All right, gang, I think uh, we went on and on enough again. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our both our segments there and give you some ideas and clear up uh, some things about, you know, setting up your board before you do a battle in our uh, terrain segment. And then uh, we want to thank William Mack for coming on. I just call him Mack. He, I think I think he has a lot of names on my book. So, But thanks, Mack, for coming on and giving everybody some tips and uh, I think the the biggest tip I can take away from our little how to build terrain segment is hot glue. Hot glue is your friend <laughs> and it is hot. So be careful about that. Yeah, hot hot glue and um, old children's toys. That's right. Old toys. Nothing <laughs> nothing is garbage. So I I I can relate to that. I got kind of a, a little problem with throwing stuff away so maybe i got some terrain in the basement (laughs) i still got my my son's old toys you know (laughs) and he's 17 he don't need them anymore (laughs) right 
<laughs> Unless he's going to make a Wix table. <laughs> yeah. But real quick, uh, since we kind of went long and we didn't actually have a, a news segment this episode, we wanted to go over some quick news for everybody. For all you guys that are going to be going to Gen Con, which is August 2nd through the 5th, on that Friday the 3rd and the Saturday the 4th, War Cradle is having a U.S. Gunslinger Masters Tournament that still has some openings in it. If you're going and you want to participate in it, make sure that you get the tickets to be in the tournament. They still have some available, and I know the seats are limited. They did announce the the prizes. They're going to have the usual Gunslinger prizes of the first place. You get the little gold badge and second is silver and third is bronze and they also said that any anybody that participates in the tournament is going to get you know kind of the prize for participation is the gold poker chip very similar to the red and black poker chip that they they have out that you can you can grab as a little add-on then they did announce that they're going to have some other prizes for everybody brian in a blog or on facebook that you saw yeah, on the on the Wild West Exodus blog, they kind of went into a little more on what what to expect for prizes. It'll it'll be basically because the War Cradle booth is going to be basically bringing a lot of their product. The winners will get in shop credit. So okay, first prize I think is obviously going to be more money, and then it, it lower as you get to the third place. So okay. first, second, and third get prize value in the shop so that that's a pretty good good prize so like if there's something in the store that you just didn't manage to pick up or if you ran out of time that you didn't get to the booth when you wanted to that kind of makes it a little bit easier to get some more stuff <laughs> obviously yeah if, if you win you know you'll be able to use use that to pick up stuff that you didn't didn't have an opportunity to pick up yet like one of the things that that's coming out that's not available right now it's on pre-order if you didn't pre-order it they will likely have it at gen con and speaking of pre- pre-orders what are those pre-orders that we got for this month brian i know you're excited about one you're getting your posse that's right the infernal investigations posse is on pre-order right now you can go ahead and pre-order it up i know i did I think it was within a minute of them. <laughs> I immediately shot a message to the my local store that that direct orders stuff for me, and uh, yeah, I said, "Oh, I need that." So it was it was it was as insta buy as you can for a pre-order, <laughs> but uh, there was little 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 hesitation. So yeah, the Infernal Investigation possibly we've mentioned it before. Uh, really excited, and then it's I'm just gonna. You, I just can't wait. I know. It. I can see your your. <laughs> the look There's at your face. This is a blog. This is a podcast <laughs> and not a video cast. <laughs> well, then I'm also getting one for for me in a way. It's a an enlightened posse, the Dixie Resurrection. So we're going to get Annabelle Hamilton's actual model, finally. And she's coming with a bunch of new creations. It should be an interesting oh, yeah. model because you can easily team it up with a an outlaw confederate boss like Stonewall. That should be exciting. Just I'm excited to see some new creation 
you know, monstrosities. Right, the Creation 8 and a new Creation 13. The old Creation 13 became the Brutes in the Enlightened in uh, second edition. So, yeah, so the two creations are Creation 8 and a new Creation 13. They both are really cool. Creation 8 is a female creation. Yeah, it's going to be the first one. She, she actually has a buzzsaw. The buzzsaw saw a new upgrade in the the newest version of the rule set. It it gives the enlightened access to a negative, a minus four piercing. So very brutal buzzsaw. And with Creation Thirteen, he's the 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 rent. Th- he's the 3D render where he has these two cylinders in his chest, like two full sized RJ. 1027 cylinders in his chest and I'm and my whole thought when I saw that is like why would a model why would a creation need that much RJ pumping through it if I remember right I was looking at his stat card he's basically a walking bomb right well so most creations including the you know the basic troops and the enlightened they all have a suicide bomb yeah. where they can activate them and they'll blow up instead of do anything else, right? Well, Creation 13 actually has a secondary suicide weapon. And it basically is he ejects all the RJ out. (laughs) He is carrying that much RJ because it is an upgraded suicide weapon that spews RJ and ignites it into a torrent. Instead of a blast radius, he spews it out like RJ vomit and, <laughs> and it's, it's just gross, crazy gross. So that, that is his specialty. So those of you who, 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 you know, hesitate to use the other explode, just the regular blast template suicide, you will see a whole lot of creation 13 vomit exploding. Heck yeah. I want to say, I'm going to see some custom uh, kit bashing with him, you know, <laughs> with some green stuff coming uh, out. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's got pretty good servo claws that, you know, do pretty good, are, are pretty good melee weapons. But if you do set him up in a good spot and a torrent blast would be most effective, a minus four piercing yeah. torrent blast. I, I mean, did that, it, it'll be very difficult to, uh, to dodge it. Well, quick and the dead's not going to work. Watch out, <laughs> Tesla. Not. He's coming for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you you so, also mentioned Brian that there there was a an update for the rules. So just recently, as we're recording this episode uh, this past week, there was an update for 1.08 uh, is now available that you can download from their accidentally recently updated website also and uh, yeah so it's got all the new you know they tweaked some of the rules and stuff again nothing super major i think some of the stat cards changed a little bit and uh so just make sure you check them out as always i mean you can play with i've heard stewart say this too you can play with any version you want as long as you're both playing with the same version but the newest version will fix a lot of the, the fiddliness that some of the rules have that people just didn't quite understand. So check that out. And uh, you yeah, know what? So, so I believe like Quick and the Dead got got some some tweaking. 
tough, tough. got a little bit of tweaking, uh, stun. Those all just got basically. There's been a lot of discussions in the last couple of weeks, so those all got a little minor tweaking. The most notable was t- tough. No longer has the reroll ones. It used to allow yeah. uh, the reroll of critical failures. Now it no longer does. So wah wah. You know, it, <laughs> it's not near as good as it used to be, but it's still really effective. Yeah. And you know you're. You're still going to get that enjoyment from the tough. I think we could have dad got a little applications too. Yeah, so. yeah. That's one of the nice things that War Cradle is doing is they they listen to the community, and when there's you know some unclear, there's people unclear how certain rules work because of wording or you know language that they use on them. You know they they are willing to adjust them so it keeps it balanced and fair for everybody playing the game. Right. And the good thing is tough is a common rule. So when those get tweaked, you don't have to reprint any cards. Yeah. The only thing you may want to reprint is the common rules page, yeah. which they're, they're technically cards as well, which I think is awesome. I like printing those out because it's small. It has all the, the tidbits that you usually want to refer to and you don't have to pick up the book to do it. You just yeah. pull up this little card and it's got all that stuff in it. Yeah. Which they, they added it to Posse Deck. So in the new Divine Intervention theme Posse, it actually had 1.08 cards in it, including the 1.08 Common Rules card. So I was able to, you know, get a fresh copy of those so I won't have to print, print them. <laughs> Rewind a little bit. We skipped two of the other things that are coming out that are up for pre-order along with the two new posses, we have a legendary Rainy Nemu. I think I said that actually right, Brian. And also the Great Elk is getting re-released. Right. So the legendary Rainy Nemu was last year's promo, you know, right? special model. It was basically a promotional model that, you know, they had at all their big conventions. And you can only get it during the conventions. So that was last year's model. And they always said eventually... In 2018, it would go into the store. So Splash, it's now on pre-order. Yep. It, it'll it be basically delivering at the end of the month. So if you don't have one or just need another one, <laughs> that's where you'd get it. Yep. Uh, the, the Great Elk, one of the things that War Cradle wanted to do when they first start, took over was they wanted to look at all of the large resin sets, the vehicles and, of course, the uh, Great Elk and the the fire eagle they wanted to see if they can improve on them and so this is the first one that is being released that did get a a little bit of an upgrade and the great elk is now ready for for its pre-order and deliver at the end of the month Uh, one of the most notable things is he, he they have lost some of the armor plated scales that were on the original yeah so if you really love that aesthetic, he's no longer looking like a an, a cross between a tyranid and an elk. He now <laughs> looks more like an energy beast elk. So kind of like the the sky stallions, they didn't sprout any horns and armor plating. So that he fits more in line with what the other yeah. animals. So I think he fits fits better in the warrior nation and the new sculpt. So excited to see those start getting painted up and hitting the tables. Yeah. That, that about 
does it for all the the pre-orders and yeah if you guys haven't gone to the website and pre-order them or gone to your local store that's hopefully supporting it and able to get it uh, go on the website check it out we have at this time just uh let's see what like a couple weeks before they come out so that's right check so it out by the time by the time you're seeing this uh or listening to this podcast you're you're gonna be just a maybe a week or two away from those being off the pre-order and actually officially ready to go uh, and then War Cradle will be teasing us with the new pre-orders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, also real quick, I wanted to mention going back to Gen Con. If you guys are going there, hopefully I will be there. Uh, just look for dude maybe wearing a shirt with our logo on it. Uh, I'm going to try and make it down there Saturday to cover the tournament and check out stuff. Indianapolis isn't that far from me. So I could actually, you know, get up in the crack of dawn and drive down there and be there with time that the hall opens up and stuff. So hopefully I'll meet some of you guys down there. And, um, well, I think, Brian, that about does it for this episode. I want to just remind everybody they can find the show on Podbean. We're on Google+. Plus. We're on iTunes. If you guys want to drop us a message or an email you know feel free to do that if you have any questions both me and brian are always lurking on the dark council liking and answering questions and me making snarky comments of course uh i can't help it (laughs) um so yeah get in touch with us thank you for joining us again in the saloon and hopefully our next episode we won't have such a a long lag way but this episode we kind of i think made up for it we made it longer than our typical episode so you guys doing long commutes or long project nights in the uh, studio painting and working on your wild west exodus guys it gives you plenty to listen to while you work so thanks again we will talk to you guys later in the saloon this is eric saying take it easy brian wanna go ahead and say this is brian it's good to good to provide you guys with another podcast, and please shoot us some suggestions on future topics. And oh yes, yes, we'll bring those to you. I, I got a notebook that has room in it. <laughs> so as always, guys, ride with the sun at your back, and always roll those crits. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by the Black Hoof Saloon, y'all. We hope you enjoyed your visit. Feel free to get a hold of us with comments or questions via the interweb and shoot us a telegraph at blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com or find us on the Facebook at Black Hoof WWX Podcast. Music provided for use by Ross Bugden and can be found at one of his YouTube channels, Ross Bugden Music or Ross bugged in composer until your next visit ride with the sun at your back and always roll those crits
We are going to do a hobby segment with Mac. This is going to be a new segment for us. I'm just trying to think of how do we introduce this. I think you should sing. Sing. You don't want to hear none of this. I can maybe do a dance. All right. We'll go ahead and start. Take a sip of coffee real quick. Oh, I should have made coffee before I started. <sighs> you don't have to rub it in. <laughs> That's me. I'm a button pusher. I'm a button pusher. Hey, I will. I will uh, admit I don't drink coffee, so it does not affect me at all. <laughs> we can forgive you, Brian, because you're a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually hurt almost had got nerve damage in my in my hand from too much scissoring <laughs> i was like holy moly i was like had like an indention into the uh the knuckle of my thumb and i was like okay i gotta i gotta take a break <laughs> my wife my wife scrapbooks so I there you go i was just gonna say ah! brian you need to go get one of those little scrapbooker cutting tables that you can just slide it in there and whoosh, you're done <laughs> Yeah. Then all you well, got to do. Those at the, I have one of those at the office. <laughs> so, yeah, that might not look good cutting Wild West eggs at his cards at work. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, hey, you can be like these are outlaws. Outlaws. That's right. <laughs> or these are lawmen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> do lawmen and outlaws. You'll be good to go. All right. We'll see you later, right, Will. Paul. Have a good one, man. Bye. Bye, Will. I got to figure out how to hang up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hold you on Skype, man. All right, I got it. <laughs>